to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. We'll spend some time there tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And again, we'll spend some time there tonight. There are two or three announcements that I don't think have gotten to Tommy. And somehow we just sort of get them and then they don't get to the right spot. But remember Sandra in your prayers. She has uh, been having some problems with her back. And uh, she said this afternoon she was feeling a little bit better. But to keep her in your prayers, also Kathy Gunner, um, she took a fall and injured herself uh, this past week. And she is going back for tests, more tests tomorrow. Uh, injured her neck and her shoulder. And so keep her in your prayers. And also Brother Jamie Long. Uh, many of you may remember him from our summer series last uh, summer. Uh, Brother Jamie uh, last has been preaching over at the Good Springs congregation. But he underwent a uh, liver transplant yesterday. And uh, that seemed to be successful. But... According to his uh, sister, she posted earlier today that he was going back in surgery to do some, uh, uh, I think he had a blood clot, and so they were trying to take care of that, and I haven't heard if he is out of surgery from that or not. So keep him in your prayers as well. How many of us have ever dreamed about heaven? You know, thought about it, and I'm not talking about dream about it necessarily at night when we're asleep but dreamed about going there, about what it's really like, you know, does it really have a street paved with gold? Are, are the foundations of the walls, are, are they really made out of, uh, of every kind of precious jewel, as the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter number 21? Are, are the gates of heaven really made out of a single pearl? And again, from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, we think about it, John described it, as being a city that was of pure gold. And, uh, and seeing it, the Bible says, in him coming down, have, have you ever thought about what it must look like, what it must be like? If you haven't thought about what it truly is, then maybe you need to do some different kind of thinking. You know, uh, if heaven is not on our mind every once in a while, uh, it really ought to be as Christians, because as a Christian, that's where I'm looking to move one day and to be there for eternity. But you know what? There are a lot of people who read when they think about heaven or are dreaming about heaven. They read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse number 9 where the Apostle Paul wrote these words, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. I've actually heard preachers preach from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse number 9 about heaven. No eye has seen it, and it's more beautiful than we could ever imagine. But I want us to understand tonight that the Apostle Paul, when he's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is not writing about heaven. He's actually writing about his preaching and what, and more particularly, what he was preaching. And so we want to take some time tonight to look at that. We're not going to get to talk as much about heaven as we want to, but tonight we do want to talk about what the Apostle had to say in regard to that. When we think about what is said here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we actually need to go back to something that we looked at last time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse number 2, Paul said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we spent time dealing with that. We're not going to go back and rehash all of that tonight. 
Uh, Paul preached Christ. What does it mean to preach Christ? We need to, again, refresh our memories, you know, from time to time about what it means. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But Paul says, this is what I'm doing. I'm preaching. I'm preaching Christ. If you go on down to verses 4 and 5, he talks about his speech. He says, my speech and my message were not English Standard Translation in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Again, he's talking about his preaching. He, uh, he didn't speak in such a way as to impress people. He, he, he didn't speak, you know, just uh, for people to hear him and, and sit there in awe and say, Wow, what a preacher. He wanted them to have not faith in him. He wanted them to have faith in God. And so we talked about that. But, but <coughs> just understand tonight, he is continuing to talk about his preaching. Well, he talks about, drop on down in your Bible to verse number 7, still talking about his preaching, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed, before the ages for our glory. Ooh, sort of sounds mysterious. Secret and hidden. As a matter of fact, when we turn to, say, the New King James Version, uh, they use actually the word mystery, translated in that way. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. The actual word that's used in the scripture is musterion. It's the word from which we get our word mystery, but it's not something that we would normally think about when we think about a, a mystery. It literally means something that was hidden from sight, uh, held secret for a while, but would eventually be revealed. And so as we look at it and see the translation, it was secret, it was a mystery, because it had not yet been revealed. Nobody knew exactly what it was that we were looking at. So, we simply say tonight, make the point, that God's wisdom, the wisdom that Paul said he was preaching, the wisdom that he preached that was demonstrated by the Spirit with power, is the wisdom of God. But that wisdom of God had not previously been revealed to mankind. You know, if we had lived before the time of Moses and the writing of the Ten Commandments, we would probably have known that it wasn't right to kill because we had a family problem back way back yonder where we had a brother kill another brother, Cain slew Abel. And he was banished by God, sent away by God. We'd know it was wrong to kill, but it hadn't as yet been written as it were in stone. There, were, there would be a lot of things that we wouldn't understand. Probably the very first Bible book that was penned was the book of Job. We don't normally think about that because we think about Genesis and the creation as it's mentioned there. Uh, in the book of Genesis, it, it probably came after Job, quite a while after Job. But think about Job as he questions God. And all of the things that God says to him. 
You know, he's sitting here and he's wondering why is he going through. His friends have come and they're accusing him of of being a sinful man because God wouldn't punish a a righteous man, a a just man. Uh, We know the whole story because Job, you know, we're told in the book of Job why all of this is going on, but Job didn't know that. (laughs) Job was living it, he just didn't know it. We have in our hands today the Word of God, the Bible. We can pick it up and we can read it. We can read about creation. We can read about the history of the Israelites. We can read about Job. We can read about Christ. We can read about what will come in the future at the coming of Christ. We read about the judgment day and all of those kinds of things. But there was a time when men on earth didn't have the privileges that we have of knowing the wisdom of God because it hadn't yet been revealed. Look at verse number 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. None of the rulers of this age understood this about the wisdom of God. Uh, they, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Those people back in Jesus' day just didn't grasp the fact that they were making it possible through their sinful actions of killing an innocent man for the entire world to be saved. Now, God didn't force them to do that. They did so of their own accord. It was their choice to do it. But they didn't understand God's plan. Now, how many of us, be honest, How many of us who had never had the opportunity of reading the New Testament may have joined in with that group of people that cried out on that fateful day, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! How many of us may have been convinced by our religious leaders that what they were doing was right in crucifying this man? We're quick to condemn them, but if we had only the information that they had, what would we have done? And so there was a time when God's plan had not fully been revealed. Okay? Uh, you may want to turn to the book of First Peter chapter 1 at verse number 12. It wasn't just the ruler's of this age that he mentions here, depending again upon which translation, the princes of this age. But if you read 1 Peter chapter 1 at verse number 12, Peter seems to indicate to us that not even the angels in heaven knew and understood the plan that God made. The Bible says they desired to look into it. What is this that he is doing for his created beings on earth? And so we take from that, it wasn't just Ananias and, and, you know, some of the other people. It wasn't just Pilate. It wasn't just those. Even the angels in heaven did not fully understand the wisdom of God. Paul said there was time when folks didn't know what it truly was. And yet... As we look 
what we come to understand through this book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 is that even though a person may have lived through all of the things that we see in Scripture, they still may not have known and did not know all that they were to do in God's plan. They didn't comprehend everything that it involved. So that's why he says in verse number 9, what no eye hath seen or ear has heard, that's why he uses that kind of language. But even though God's wisdom had not as yet been revealed, there, was, there would be a time when it was. When we could pick it up and look at it, read it, study it, understand it. There would come that time. You may remember back in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We won't take time to read it, but Luke is writing about all that Jesus began to both do and teach. He talks about the things that he practiced and the things that he preached. And, and he talks about how that he had been crucified and he talks about the events that were leading up to the next chapter in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost. And in doing that, he talks about a discussion that takes place between Jesus and his apostles. And if you go back and you read all of that, we understand that Jesus tells them that they're going to receive power, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and and what we glean from that is that power is going to help them know some things. They should have been reminded of what Jesus had said a few days earlier. Uh, when they were gathered together in that upper room, on the night before Jesus was crucified, that we can read in the book of John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, when he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. And he goes on and says in verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He'll glorify Me. For He will take what is Mine, declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. You see, what we have here is Jesus, in talking in the book of Acts about the Spirit to come, he, he was reminding them of what He had said on the night before His crucifixion. He's reminding them, He had told them, Men, I still have a lot to say. There are a lot of teachings, a lot of things that, that you yourselves, you're just not able to bear it right now. It reminds me of our class this morning. We were talking in our Bible class that I teach that Jesus reveals to his disciples, he says, I'm going to be killed. Well, there's a couple of reactions that they have. Number one, Matthew says they're grieved. Mark says they're fearful over uh, what he has said. They are afraid to ask him what it means. But Luke tells us that it was intentionally withheld from them, 
The context shows the reason. It was because of their fragile lack of faith. Jesus would tell them not many days later, I still have a lot to say, but you still can't bear it. The whole wisdom of God wasn't dumped on them at one time. You know, Jesus didn't just say to Peter, all right, come follow me and you're going to know everything. To John, hey, hey, John, you know, take this pill and you'll know everything. There would come a time when the Spirit would reveal that to them, but it was at the proper time. It was at the time they could bear it. And so after that, we see the faith of these men who see the risen Christ continuing to grow. It grows to a point that they're willing to give their very life for the cause of Christ. But it was all to reveal through these men God's hidden, God's secret, God's mystery of salvation. Men hadn't seen it before, but there would come a time when they did. And so tonight, no one, no one could have known what God wanted until He revealed it. They couldn't know the plan. Now, let's continue to build on our thoughts. Paul says, let me give you an illustration. You know, you hear preachers preaching sometimes, says, let me illustrate that point. Well, here's Paul's equivalent of that. He says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, husbands and wives can sometimes see the same thing happen. You know, they may witness the same event, and one may look at the other and you just sort of immediately, you know, if you've been, been married long, you sort of immediately know what the other is thinking, or at least you do. But do you really? Do you really know everything that they're thinking? Now, Tommy's not married, so I'm going to ask him. That way he won't get in trouble when he goes home. Tommy, could you tell me what, uh, say, Linda is thinking right now? You sure? Can't read her mind? Well, that's exactly what Paul said. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? If I want to know what Linda's thinking, who do I ask? Linda. If I want to know what Tommy's thinking, I ask Tommy. And I don't care if you have been married 50 years or more, and you may witness the same things. Husbands and wives may know a lot because they're so familiar with one another, but they still don't know everything that that person is thinking. And that's his point, that's his illustration. Nobody knows the thoughts except the spirit of that person. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God, except who? God. The spirit of God. I can't know God's thoughts unless what? Unless God tells me. Unless God reveals it to me. I can't know 
what he, what he wants from me unless he tells me what he wants. As we continue our thinking of here in the book of 1 Corinthians, look at 12, verses 12 and 13. It won't be on the screen. But verses 12 and 13 say, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We who? The apostles. Those who received that Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Paul later, when Jesus revealed himself to him on the road to Damascus, we have received the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, the way that we sometimes say it, knew what God is thinking. Did he not? Paul said it in verse 11. The Holy Spirit inhabited them, as the old preachers would say, in baptismal form. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you will. And Jesus had predicted that. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost for the apostles. And what did they begin to do on that day of Pentecost? Preach. What did they preach? How many of them could have studied for the sermon that they were going to preach on the day of Pentecost? How many could, could look up what they were going to say? Where'd they get their words? Where'd they get their message? Each one of them spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. God is revealing His plan. The plan that would save mankind. And when they preached that plan on the day of Pentecost, what happened? 3,000 people believed what they had to say and became obedient to the teachings that they were giving on that day. And so Paul says here in verse 12, he said, we've received that spirit. Nobody can know, but we have received that spirit. The spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given by God. And look what they're going to do with it, verse 13. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. What do you mean, Paul? What we got from God, we're telling you. They would preach it on the day of Pentecost. They would write it in the form of the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and all of those things. God was revealing their plan, His plan. Nobody had known it before. It hadn't been revealed. If you were going to come up with a plan, I've asked this question before, if you were going to come up with a plan to save mankind, which one of us would have thought of what God thought of. Sacrifice his son, die on a cross, raise him up, and then 
teach people about his death, his burial, and his resurrection and say, hey, you need to die, you need to be buried, and you need to be resurrected from the watery grave of baptism. People today still call that into question, don't they? Can't believe it. Have a hard time understanding it. Many want to deny it. But who gave them the right to tell God what he ought to think? Who gave them the right to say, this is the mind of God? You see, God revealed it to them. In Deuteronomy 29, at verse 29 in the Old Testament, do you remember what the Bible says? The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us, to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Moses didn't know everything. There were some things that not even Moses, who was the lawgiver, knew. But he says what we have, what has been revealed, what God did write down, what God did through the inspiration of Moses, put in words in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Moses tells the children of Israel, we have those things, so what do we do with them? We obey them. Moses knew there was more because he prophesied about one who would come who was like him, that prophet. But he didn't have it all. He said the secret things belong to the Lord. But do what he says. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 23, Have nothing, Paul said, to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. There are some things, Paul says, that we as Christians just don't argue about. Why? Because God hasn't given us the answer. Where did Cain get his wife? Did Adam have a belly button? I don't know how many times I've been asked questions like that. Uh, we have a little information about Cain. You know, we can surmise some things. But if you surmise some things, somebody still, but what about? Don't we have a lot more to consider rather than those trivial things? The secret things belong to the Lord. We don't, we, we can't just dwell on the things that we don't know. They become foolish and ignorant controversies, and they lead to quarrels. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, though, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Just stick with what's been revealed. We live in the greatest time that man has ever had on this earth. When Jesus spoke to his apostles, I don't know if you noticed this or not, back in the book of John chapter 16 that we read just a little while ago, he said the Spirit would lead them into all truth. 
God's told us everything that we need to know about our life, about our salvation. Told us everything we need to know. Imagine all those people who lived before us who had to wonder. We live in a time when we can transmit what God has told us almost instantaneously. You know, there was a time when uh, you had paper Bibles. (laughs) Obviously, we still do. But we live in a time when we have electronic devices with the same word that we have in the paper. There was a time they didn't have the paper. There was a time they just had the scrolls. But today we could teach someone from right here in Jasper, Alabama, who lives in Romania, almost instantaneously, without ever even leaving our own living room. We live in the greatest time of mankind because we have all of the truth that we need to know. We have every opportunity to teach others God's truth. We can have access to it 24 hours a day, no matter where we are. But without, uh, you know, all of, the, all of the leaps and the bounds that we've made and technology and all these other things, a man without a Bible still can't understand the things of God. Aren't we thankful God revealed them through His own uh, people, through the apostles? And He has revealed them, so what do we do? Just as we've already noted, today what we do is we obey and we defend God's revelation. You know, it's the height of folly to pretend to speak for God. He would go on here in this own this very passage, verses uh, 15 and 16. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let me break that down in simple terms. The spiritual men who reveal the Word of God were the ones who were inhabited by the Spirit of God, the apostles. They, they taught us what God wants us to know. But he says, you know, there are a lot of folks... And again, I'm trying to put this into simple language. There are a lot of folks who don't listen, won't believe it. Try to come up with their own thoughts, their own plans. But his point is this. When we try to do that, guess what? We're trying to speak. We're trying to tell God what God wants. We're trying to convince God that we're smarter than He is. And we're not. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as who's smarter than God? Nobody. And so that's why it's folly for us to presume to speak for God. We just tell what God said. We just 
speak what he revealed to us. You know, the apostles, Paul and the other apostles, knew and preached the mind of Christ. That's what he said at the end of verse number 15. And what they wrote for us is what we teach. We don't need a new version of the gospel that was revealed by some angel to some man out in a field. Do we? Because we have all truth. And we could talk more about that tonight. Our job is simply to obey and defend the truth that Paul and the apostles revealed to us. You see, in Matthew 16, verse 19, Jesus tells Peter, one of those apostles, He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Indeed, Peter was given the keys of the kingdom. But it wasn't his own thoughts that he preached. He preached as he was moved by the Spirit. He spoke as the Spirit gave him utterance. In the book of Matthew 18, verse 18, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He told the other apostles that the message that they delivered, and and more literally than shall be bound, more literally shall already have been bound in heaven. You see, they're preaching the mind of God. And so tonight, as we begin to bring our lesson to a close, it's not our job to speak for God, to make up things. You see, what Peter, or rather what Paul is telling us here, is there was a time when things had not been revealed. No eye had seen it, no ear had heard it. Man just didn't know what God truly was doing. But now we do. And it's not our job to make it up. It's not our job to add to it. It's not our job to take away from it. It's our job just to tell men what it is. And help them understand the will that was revealed by the wisdom of God. Some of the things that Paul wrote are, are, are difficult for us to sort of grasp on the, on the outside of it. I understand that. This is one of those sections that we sometimes get tangled up in when we start looking at it. But it's really not all that hard. The language may sometimes be sort of confusing to us, but the message... The message is simple. Paul preached Christ and Him crucified. Where did he get his message? From God. When did he get the message from God? When the Spirit revealed it to them. Because that's the only way they could know. And what they're doing, what the apostles did, was to faithfully transmit what God told them that He wanted. Now it's our job to be obedient to it and to tell others what it is. That's the summation of what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And so tonight, the question I guess is this, is that what we're doing? 
Have we taken the message we've heard? Become obedient to it. Are we taking the message we've heard and faithfully teaching it to others so they can have the same hope, so that they can have the same home as we're looking forward to? Tonight, if you're not a Christian and you know that you need to become one by being baptized into Christ, Jesus' invitation is open to you. It may be tonight that you have something that is amiss in your life that you need to make right. Jesus' invitation is open to you. If you need to respond to it, why don't you come right now as we stand as